Hello, and welcome back to Heart to Heart Podcast. I'm Bria. And I'm Kim. And today we're bringing you a great episode about choosing yourself mm-hmm. and the lessons we are learning from people like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and how we all need to learn how to choose ourselves. Yes. And before we get started, as always, know that you can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Should we jump in? Yeah. Let's just dive right Alrighty. in. We had two episodes off as <laughs> yeah. we had some hectic stuff happening, as you all probably can relate to, but we are so happy to be back and talking to you right now. Yeah. And thank you all so much for being patient with us. Yes, thank you. (laughs) So I think really getting this started and I think a really important way to ground this conversation is I think what made this topic so evident to me is the recent article that came out by The Cut um, that's called Simone Biles Chose Herself. Um, And then her quote, I should have quit way before Tokyo. And, you know, I think during the summer when the Olympics was unfolding, it was this big watershed moment of Simone Biles not you know fully competing in the Summer Olympics and kind of what that meant for the U.S. how people took that that was a huge phenomenon I remember articles just like all these headlines on you know whether or not she was going to compete and then there was a lot of outrage when she ultimately made the decision to not compete in you know some of these huge competitions that you know were probably her last So, you know, I think it's really important to, number one, call out some things that were mentioned in the article. I think they did a really good job of, number one, giving us background and context on what led up to Simone Biles' decision, and then also to this new shift in how we kind of view work, rest, and choosing ourselves. So I think one thing that I want to just start off with is that um, there's a quote from the article that says, Early in her life, Biles developed a sense of maternal responsibility. She mothered her little sister when they were in foster care. She mothered her teammates to an Olympic win. It's time now for Biles to mother herself. Mm. What is this quote doing for you, Bria? Wow, like, it's time for her to mother herself. Just, like, the expectation that not only as a woman, because that's mm-hmm. an expectation for all women, but also specifically for Black women, this trope that we have to take care of everyone else at the expense of ourselves. And the yeah. fact that she now, only after winning all these medals and making all this money and gaining all this fame, n- like she still has to put her foot down and like reclaim her time you know it's like that I don't know that's really striking a chord with me and I know like that's something that we're both trying to do and like we'll get into later in terms of like putting our foot down in certain situations but it's like you see how universal these themes are Mm -hmm. and that's kind of just like mind-boggling to me that even after doing all of this you know she still has to carve out time for herself like wow Yeah. And I think, you know, you're exactly right in that there is this societal expectation for Black women to naturally be mothers and for us to rely or to save people, to care for people, to coddle people. I think that has just been a societal expectation. And I think that kind of have roots in the fact that a lot of the Black family structure is like matriarchal, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but and also, also with slavery. Ex- that exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like that matriarchal family structure like roots back to slavery. But I think it still obviously has a really toxic bend when it's then put on women to do all the saving and do all the protection. And, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, the reason why Simone Biles opted out is because she was having mental blocks that were not allowing her to essentially perform and carry through her skills in a mm-hmm. way that would be safe. So she noticed that like she wasn't completing like the full turns and the full twists. I don't know. I remember, yeah. You know, the terminology, but I think she called it like the, the twisties or, yeah, yeah. The twisties or mm-hmm. something like that. Like you like do you you go into a trick and you don't know where you are in the air. Yeah. So imagine like going into like some triple backflip and you have no like hand-eye coordination. You don't know where you are in the air. You don't know how you're going to land. That could be fatal if you land fatal. the wrong way. So yeah. imagine doing that on a net, like, on a worldwide stage. I'm sure the pressure and the anxiety really exacerbated that. So I'm happy she chose herself because you know so many people, when people are expecting you to perform and they're expecting you to give 100% and you know in your heart you can't, but you still don't want to let people down, that could have gone a very dangerous way. She could have said, you know, people want me to perform. I don't want my coaches down, my team down. But I'm happy she had the wherewithal to be like, if I do, if I go ahead with this, it's not going to be good for me or my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think also to something that a lot of people were sharing is that it was also very toxic for the team to be built around her, right? Mm-hmm. Like there were so many other talented, you know, women on that team who performed and for it to all be focused on Biles as well, just inherently put that pressure on her. So in making that decision, whether or not she had to opt out, she was thinking about like, is my team going to win a medal? But it's like, Mm. of course, of course we could because there's talent here. So I think this pressure was also just very, very toxic. And again, this is all under the context that Simone is also like the last standing person on the U S Olympics, like gymnastic team who was sexually assaulted by Larry Nassar, like the the, doc- yeah. the former doctor for the team. Yeah. So she was operating with a lot of traumatic experiences, a lot of pressure that I think- Unresolved. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it makes sense that she was kind of at this point where mentally she just, she couldn't do it. She could not compete in the way that she wanted to. And I think the fact that she faced so much backlash and that people were really upset that she didn't perform in that moment, it just seemed very exploitative to me of- you know, an individual's labor, an individual's, like, personal life. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, this could have been fatal. But people still fatal. want to push her beyond her means. And I think that this happens where, like, the general population really detaches from the fact that these people that we see on our screens are people. Yeah. You know? And, like, I this is, like, a small tip, but, like, even, like, working right now in the House of Reps, like, it's funny. Like, you're in the hallway and you see AOC. <laughs> or, yeah. like you're like going to press briefings and you see Ayanna Presley and it's like my coworkers sometimes or my fellow interns will fangirl and stuff. And it's like, we have to start remembering these people are people yeah, and stop putting them on these pedestals and like realize they have the same shortcomings that we do. Like in this case with Simone Biles, like just like we need a break, she needs a break. Yeah. So I don't know why we're attributing her with some like, superhuman qualities Mm -hmm. that's unfair to her and that's so unrealistic and it's like we wouldn't want someone else to think that we were superhuman and could take every single thing that's thrown our way imagine 
having to perform at 100% and you still have unresolved trauma, like sexual assault trauma, and also just all the things she went through in her childhood, like, I don't understand how we were expecting her to never falter because she's still a human and she's young. She's a young girl. She's a young girl. She is. And I also feel like there was this expectation that she owed America this. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. And I think that is something that is put on a lot of black like celebrities or performers or people who are obviously bringing a lot of notoriety financial capital to the u.s there's this expectation that you just need to perform Mm -hmm. that you know people are you know sticking their necks out for you you owe this to anybody we don't owe her anything and the people who were supposed to protect her on her team did not and failed to do that and like you can go watch her testimony like before congress where you know she speaks on this but she was failed by system failed so she didn't owe anybody anything And this expectation that she did, I think, again, it's a full circle moment of understanding that people expect Black women to constantly just give everything that they have. Sorry for coughing. Um, You should repeat that because I coughed all over it. No, no, you're fine. (laughs) Um, Oof. Like Um, expecting Black women to be the mules. mm -hmm. And I think that's such a slavery, like, mammy trope. Like, just think, like, the poignant words that she said about, like, having to mother herself. Yeah. Like, when you think of slavery, like, Black women were the mothers of the slave master's children before they could be the mothers to their own children. Mm -hmm. Their own children are being sold and beat. And these Black women have to breastfeed you know, white children that aren't their own. And they have to do all this extra work and all this extra labor, whether it's in the field or the house, and barely carve out time for their own kids or barely carve out time for themselves. And it's like, we think that slavery just ended, but these ideas and tropes have gone with us throughout the generations. I've been projected onto us every single generation. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think speaking of kind of like generational expectations, another quote that I want to pull from the article, which we'll link in the show notes, it says, the author says, Biles generation, which is also my own, is I hope the last generation of mules are more inclined Mm. to set boundaries, to say no to what we don't want, to whom we don't want, to what we don't want to do, to conventions, expectations, demands, less likely to stay at jobs that make us unhappy, to accept the treatment our mothers and grandmothers were forced to endure it's what all of my homegirls are telling themselves one another me if we've done it right in the next generation there will be no mules we've done enough the world will have to meet us on our own terms i love that i have to snap it's so good oh my goodness it's so good and it's so representative of where we need to be at yeah and how we need to start prioritizing our own rest yeah. And we'll kind of get into how capitalism capitalism obviously contradicts this idea and doesn't want mm-hmm. this idea to flourish because when we do prioritize ourselves and our best, that doesn't mean the most optimal financial gain, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why so many people were outraged with Simone because they're like, well, how are you going to cost the country these medals, right? Yeah. The financial capital that's going to come with you winning and that uplifting America as a as a country, this great nation. Yeah, we still have this whole big nationalist, patri- like patriotic thing where we have to be the best in everything we do. And I'm like, 
we do produce a lot of great athletes because also think of how big our country is. Of course, we're going to have some one in a million people because we have 300 million people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but also I think it's a, it's a culture shock when the general public sees someone like Simone Biles who achieved the unattainable American dream. Like she has a ra- literal rags to riches story. Yeah. Like a story of like poverty and foster care and all these things to like having, she worked hard. Her talent was recognized and she actually attained the unattainable where she's in a international spotlight, became wealthy, achieved the gold medals, got the fame. And you're not supposed to want to opt out of that. Like, no, there's never any life after the American dream. You know what I mean? It's always rags to riches. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to want to take time off or leave the thing that gave you the riches. Yeah. So, like, I think that's also probably, like, why there was so much outrage. Because there's almost, like, existential crisis there yeah we're like if you're 99 percent watching a one percent person talk about how they're miserable it's, it's like, like what's there for me yeah what what am i aspiring towards if she could be miserable in this position like so it's kind of almost like shut the door on that just keep just keep just keep, keep it quiet keep quiet keep it quiet and keep performing if you keep performing we'll never know you're miserable mm-hmm. that's powerful and i, I think again what she's doing is pushing the boundaries of what success is supposed to mean and pushing away from that american dream like expectation right because as exactly as you're saying Mm -hmm. that money that fame that notoriety she said it's not worth it like and those are the things that we've been told our whole lives that are supposed to bring us joy like it's always make your money be on your grind hustle And of course, people want enough money to live comfortably, but like, we cannot act as though having millions in your bank account is the only way you're going to be happy. Yeah. Because you're not going to be happy when you have unresolved trauma. Like, I'm sure she would much rather like spend time with her boyfriend right now, travel, be with her family, cook a good meal. You know what I'm saying? Like, we act as though those things have no weight when in reality, it's those things that bring us so much joy and so much peace. Yeah. Yeah. And capitalism tells us that working is how we're going to find inner peace. And that's just not true. Mm -hmm. And as we see any pushback on that system, immediately get shut down. And Mm -hmm. it's immediately a problem because if more people start to adopt that mindset, our system's evaluation it's going to be different, right? Like It is. People aren't going to value jobs the same way. People aren't going to value money the same way. And so when you begin to do that, where do we stand as a society? That looks radically different. You can't force people now to work. And you see how she's changing the game because that's going to have a big ripple effect on all of the people who are going to see that and be like, wow, she's taking time for herself. She's going to work on healing herself. And she's not going to force a smile on her face and keep working. She's going to actually care for herself. Like that's, that's big. Mm-hmm. That's very like anti-capitalist. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I wonder what the effects of that are going to be. And like, we almost already see them uh, where I think that we're really in a, in a wave of people being like, no, I'm not going to work when I could be getting unemployment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm at a job spending 
eight plus hours of my day making less during a global pandemic than I would being able to prioritize myself during a global pandemic and get unemployment. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that the pandemic really showed to people. Mm-hmm. Like it's not worth that, it. It's not worth it. <laughs> and making that transition back in the office, it really shows you how worn out we are and how overworked we all were. Right. And I think like, even under the pandemic, I think people still had this like really bad balance of work and rest and mm-hmm. everything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think for a, a lot of people really start to question, well, what does true care look like for myself? And again, I think these questions are scary because They're they disrupt scary. capitalism. That means that you're not the company, like whatever companies are not going to be able to maximize on profit. Like it just, it, it is going to just lead to less money, less earnings, but. It is. And also think of like, we talked about this a little bit, but like in a previous episode about like the questions COVID kind of forced us to mm-hmm. ask. Like, I think that when people are sitting alone in their houses, people we're forced to like find their identity again outside of work and like capitalism wants you to identify fully through your job and like get your status and your standing through your job and find fulfillment through your job. But like when that's taken away and you're able to like explore those little hobbies that you haven't had time to do in forever and you're finding your identity again as just like a person, as a human, like that's dangerous. So people aren't going to willingly creep back into the workforce when they feel already self-fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, I think we're at a really important turning point, especially for our generation. And I think yeah. it's, it's a really good one. Yeah. It's a really, it really good is. one. And I think it's also just so powerful that I think black women are like really leading this conversation. Like Naomi Osaka too, and her yes. choice to opt out of—I think it was the French Open. Yeah, don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> but you know, one of the major tennis, you know, championships, like her decision to opt out of that to protect her mental health—that was groundbreaking. Also, I think the fact that these women are so young, yeah. Simone and Naomi are yeah. so young, yeah, and like people are acting as though they're like seasoned, like they've been <laughs> in here for thirty years, like they still have a few more years like why are they leaving it also shows the adultification of black women mm. and acting as though they're so old and like they can handle whatever comes their way because they're just built different and like they're old and mature it's like these women are a few years older than us we're 20 21 like these women are what like 23 24 and you forget their like innocence and their youth and like yeah. everything they're so grappling with as they literally are so growing into adulthood and we're yeah. holding them to this high expectation that like they have the same like mindset or have been through the same experiences as for example, like Serena Williams, who's obviously just been in the game for a mm-hmm. lot longer and like overcome the hurdles and knows how to cope. Like, right. These are babies. Yeah. These are babies. Like I'm like the people, the, you know, the people in middle America who are like jeering at them and forcing them to like, you know, stay in this because they just want to feel good about like, I don't know, America winning tournaments. Like I'm sure they have kids this age who they are coddling and like helping and like understanding, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So why are we not giving them the same treatment as like, you guys are young ladies. You still have your whole lives ahead of you to come back and dominate. I agree. And I think also too, that just speaks to the fact that the mental health of like black people in general is just like not taken as seriously because there also is this expectation that we can just endure so much. Yes. So I think they're also bringing that aspect of it to light as well, that like 
no, we do struggle with mental health. That is a serious issue. And it's something worthy of putting real time and attention towards. And yeah, that actually might impact my game. Yeah, that actually might impact notoriety for the US. But I don't care because I'm choosing myself. Yes. Point blank. Period. Bloop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) End of story. Like, (sighs) I'm so happy for them. Me too. Um, I guess, Brian, what ways do you feel like you have chose yourself recently? Oh, okay. Yeah. So I definitely have been choosing myself while being in DC and I Mm -hmm. feel so good. Um, The most recent thing I actually moved. So Mm -hmm. I was in a different housing place uh, for like, you know, August through September and like starting October for the rest of the semester, I'm going to be in a different place. And that was a big act of choosing myself because the first place I unexpectedly had a roommate. Okay. And in this part of my life, I just can't have someone in my same room come back from a long day of work and class and have to put keep a smile on and you know make small talk with the roommate and like you know I'm still grieving I'm still going through life like I need my own space so like I think in other situations I would have maybe felt bad like I don't want my roommate to think that I'm leaving because of them and like I'm not really leaving because of them they were fine it was just like I'm choosing myself yeah I'm choosing my own mental health. I'm moving to a place where I can have my space to decompress and cry if I need to cry, binge watch Netflix if I need to do that. Like, you know, do things without guilt or without shame and just like feel good in my own space. So that's, I think that's the biggest step I've taken recently to choose myself. What about you? I love that. I love that. I think that's so important. Um, And just like such a clear example of that. I think for me, it's been a couple different things. I think number one, how I have navigated senior year so far, a lot of like the activities I'm doing or like the people I'm spending time with, like I think that has just been an act of choosing myself and like choosing who makes me happy, who I want to be around. Like that has really been instrumental to me. And I think, you know, if there's a certain activity that you're pursuing and you're kind of like, well, I was doing this for other people or I was doing this to make somebody else happy or I was doing this to look good professionally like for me all that Mm -hmm. is kind of just like not valued at all like I Mm -hmm. think coming back into school year I was just like I have such limited like energy so what I do do and what I do want to invest my time into like I'm going to prioritize that and whatever may come from that will come from that but I'm confident with what I want to do and what makes me happy and again just that means I don't look I'm not looking good to this company or I'm not as like competitive for this company then like that's just what it is it is what it is and I think it's just a powerful choice because I always want to show up as like my most authentic self and I think that's like a step towards doing that um I also think that as I'm navigating like the job process and like what post-grad looks like for me I'm also like those questions are also running through my mind right Mm -hmm. what is it that I want and like which opportunity is going to make me most happy And yeah, that might not equate to what everyone else wants me to do or what other people think I can do, but I'm going to choose the option that's best for me that's, you know, puts me in a position to support the people I love and what I want to do. And, you know, what people may or may not say about that is that's like beyond my It's none of your business. Yeah. It's none of your business. I think a lot of, a lot of my friends have been like talking about that. Like Mm. everyone who's a senior right now has been talking about like, you know what? Like, I do not care. I'm going to do what I need to do. Yeah. And also, like, friends who are, like, still on campus right now, like, in Philly, like, talking about, like, the little things they're doing to, like, 
make being in person just like good again and like make it feel nice and like the little self-care things that they're doing like I'm just so happy that people are choosing themselves in small and big ways it's really beautiful to see I agree I think it's the little things too that equate to a lot yeah lighting a candle like brings me so much joy (laughs) or deciding that like you need to take that nap Mm-hmm. instead of forcing yourself to like I don't know grind through something like and even last night I remember um like I had friends like hit me up who wanted to go out on Friday night and I was just kind of like I'm in bed I was <laughs> like my contacts are out like and maybe a past me would have been like okay I'll just hop out of bed and like get ready because I want to be out and about but I was like I did not want to yeah and therefore I said that and made yeah. that vocal and it's like Obviously, it's really nice when people want you somewhere, but it's also nice that those people understand when you're not going to be there. And that you're confident enough to go with that and be firm in yes. the decision and, like, understand that that was the best choice for you in that moment. Yeah. So, I love this This was episode. a great episode. <laughs> it was a great episode. We really would love, um, in our next episode, to bring on some some female athletes to talk about their experience because I think there's whole other dimensions that need to be discussed that Brie and I don't really have the viewpoint of because we are not (laughs) athletes (laughs) but yeah so look out for that for next week um or just in you know one of our upcoming episodes because we think that's a really important aspect of this whole topic but yeah just parting words you know choose yourself and figure out what you value in your life and just run with that and don't look back oh I love that you said it perfectly (laughs) We will talk to you all next week. Talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. We hope this episode touched you like it touched us. Yes. Like it's it's your life. Take control. Yeah, take control. All right. Bye. Bye.